Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to Supernaturally Curious. I'm your host, Peyton Stewart, and it is very exciting that you are here right now as I've been working on this for overwhelmingly almost half a year and still have not released it. If you clicked on this podcast because you thought it was really interesting, maybe you liked the cover art or the description, then I'm very excited that you are here, but let me tell you what it's about before we dive too deep into the world of the paranormal. Here I'll be talking about a variety of different haunted locations, I'll be explaining some terminology to you guys, and we'll even be diving into some of the very deep backstories of the buildings and the owners of the buildings. On our first episode, we are going to start with the Vendome Hotel located in Prescott, Arizona, and then we're going to go for there. But a little bit of a forewarning here before we do get into that, this podcast will contain elements of death, suicide, disease, and other sensitive subjects. So if you do feel like maybe that's not for you, hit the follow button and maybe check back for later episodes that you might feel comfortable watching. Without any further ado, let's get started. Hey, what's up guys, and welcome back to Supernaturally Curious, and are you ready to get started at talking about the Vendome Hotel? Because I totally am. Right after I found out Audacity deleted my whole segment. That was, that was very fun to find out for me, but enough with the jokes. Let's get on with this. So a little background information about Prescott is it was the red light district of Tucson essentially. And if you don't know what a red light district is, it's basically the adult part of town. It contains a lot of bars and brothels and that was really big, especially during like the whole 1900s and even just the gold rush era. So the original building was built in 1917 by Mr. J.B. Jones and he was a very wealthy cowboy turned rancher. And on the land, he bought a very, it was a very modest two-story red brick building. It's super simple. And though I couldn't find any official reasons on why he bought the land, to build it there it probably had to do something with the tuberculosis pandemic and the fact that arizona had only just gained statehood about five years before in 1912. we don't have very much more history on the building however i do have information that oh my gosh it was i'm not sure who these people are but the previous owners of the building include a baker a carpenter and an fbi agent isn't that literally so cool i can't even remember where i found it it was definitely on a website as as where I get all of my information. But I remembered that I had that and I was like, I need to say that. So anyways, though we don't have much more history on the building, we do have a story about one of the owners who is currently haunting the hotel for eternity as they do. Abby was a young girl, one who was very unlucky and diagnosed with tuberculosis, a disease that essentially destroyed your lung tissue and then filled up your chest with blood, suffocating you. Doesn't that sound like such a fun thing to have? So they didn't really have the medication and the medical treatments that we do nowadays, and so all that they prescribed was a dry climate and fresh air. Nothing moist because they figured that that's how it spread. They didn't know that it spread from just literally breathing next to somebody. So Abby, when she was down in Arizona, a place that has very dry air and a not so fresh climate, she met a man named Mr. Byer. That is all we know, is that she met a man. I'm kidding. The two got married and then they bought a vacant hotel together. Unfortunately, due to unpaid taxes, they had to give up the ownership and sell the hotel. However, because they were living 
there at the time they didn't really have a place to, they didn't really have a place to stay so the new owners let them and their cat noble stay in room 16. however due to abby's state of tuberculosis it wasn't looking like she was gonna make it and here's the twist she didn't even die from tuberculosis her husband left her that sent her spiraling and she starved herself and her cat killing them both inside of room 16. After Abby, we really don't have that much more information. The hotel did have quite the rocky renovation history, though. In the early 1980s, the hotel was cheap, rundown, and not doing very well. It looked like somewhere you would want you and your children and your dog to avoid. In 1983, some investors tried to put money into it as a project only for it to collapse due to bankruptcy. But after that, a corporation took over. They successfully made the building look completely new, restoring it to its previous glory. Nowadays, you can book a stay in room 16. Abby often interacts with the new, more modern-day objects. This feels like a TripAdvisor ad. <laughs> Abby often interacts with the newer, more modern-day objects she finds fascinating. These objects include lights, faucets, fans, and TV. And, like most of us, Abby will turn off MTV if it is ever playing. <laughs> MTV do better. But it's not just Abby and Noble who like to hang out there. There are also several other things caught in EVP that Abby would not say. Those, which I will explain. So, if you're not aware what EVP stands for, because maybe you're new to the paranormal, and if you are and you're listening to this podcast because you're interested, literally welcome. This stuff is so interesting and you will literally never look back because it is amazing. So, EVP stands for Electronic Voice Phenomena. Not to be confused with EMF, which stands for Electronic Magnetic Frequencies. Those two terms will be used a lot, honestly, and if you do ever go watch YouTube videos, those two objects will be used if they're, like, good <laughs> good investigators. So, anyways, if you're not aware what EVP stands for, because maybe you're interested- if you're not interested- if you're not interested in what EVP means, then leave. If you don't know what EVP stands for, it basically stands for electronic voice phenomena, and it can be picked up through something called a ghost radio. What a ghost radio is, is it flips through different radio stations, and different frequencies and usually spirits and can pick out certain words and make a sentence or make you hear things so here's what it sounds like And it's honestly super cool there and you can get it you can use it on a recording device too so a lot of people also do that the RRDR 60 Panasonic had to be recalled because people were continuously hearing voices that were not originally there which is really cool but also really freaking creepy oh also check out the huff paranormal video on the hotel vendome not only do they catch ghost orbs but they also do EVP on a hunting camera that is how good it is. That is how it wasn't super clear. They did they do play it slow and they put the words on the screen on what you're supposed to hear. There's a lot of skepticism on it, but I would 10 out of 10 if you are in the area of Prescott, please go check out the hotel. Not because not only are there so many more haunted locations in the area, like this bar that like burned down twice, but there are also tons of antique stores which definitely have haunted items in there. I, I can't prove it, but I got a 1960s camera in there and stuff started to happen but there are lakes and family-friendly art shows and activities. If this sounded cool, then the next one might sound a little cooler, because similar to this one, it's haunted by its owners, and it is a hotel. The next one might also be familiar if you are, if you have ever heard of The Shining. The Shining is a book written by Stephen King, and this hotel actually inspired the book. That's right. Next up is the Stanley Hotel. 
So picture this with me, it's fall of 1974 and a couple check into a hotel room as one of the only paying guests of a once thriving hotel. The guests, a man and a woman, check into room 217, the presidential suite. The couple went to bed, but the man woke up from a nightmare. His, In this nightmare, his young son was chased down a hallway by a possessed fire hose. The man woke up in a very cold sweat after the dream ended, with the fire hose catching up to the child and strangling him to death. He went out to the balcony for a smoke, and Stephen King created the very famous book and movie, The Shining. But King's experience isn't why the hotel is known as a hotspot for paranormal activity. However, before we can look at the spirits who roam around, let's look at the history of the building. Fun fact, like most hotels, this one is named after the guy who made it. So Freeland Oscar Stanley opened the Stanley Hotel in 1909 in Estes Park, Colorado. And the hotel was, it was rumored that the hotel was originally going to be a sanatorium, just like Waverly Hills, quiet place for you to die, because Freeland and his wife Flora traveled to Colorado because he had tuberculosis. So if you remember from the Vendome portion of this episode, his doctor, just like Abby's, wanted him to get fresh air. And luckily his health did improve in the span of the six to nine months while he was there. And his wife fell in love with Colorado, so he ended up building a hotel there. And the land the hotel is built on was originally owned by an Irishman named Lord Dunraven, and he came there all the way back in 1872 and illegally homesteaded 6,000 acres, which is basically to claim and settle on land. It was an unsuccessful attempt to make a private hunting land. Finally, he was run out of the area for scamming people out of their land and money. So once the land was bought and construction started, it started around 1907 and was finally complete, like I said, in 1909, costing about $200,000 to $500,000. In 1926, Freeland sold the hotel to some Milwaukee investors who refurbished the interior with new everything. But in 1929, after that group faced crippling debt, he was able to reclaim the title of the hotel in a foreclosure sale and then sold it again <laughs> to Able Management Company. In the early 1950s, Able Management made several changes to the hotel in order to make it more of an informal style of post-war tourism. Then Able sold the hotel and, it, and then it switched hands quite a few times, gradually deteriorating as it went along. Not much but renovation happens up to today and now the hotel is doing amazing and thriving in business. I actually believe there was a fire I don't know, I thought I read that there was a fire somewhere, but the most recent article that I could find was talking about how, like, they were letting firefighters stay in the hotel, because there was- I don't know what's happening, <laughs> but now that we're done with all the boring construction and stuff, let's start with the owners of the hotel, Freeland and Flora. So they- so they died a year apart, with Freeland dying on October 2nd, 1940, and Flora dying in 1939. Freeland died of natural causes, while- Flora died because of a stroke, and Mr. Stanley loves his hotel so much that he's typically seen behind the desk or like trying to help people and like with the he's the I've never been to a fancy hotel. I don't know what the cart thing is called that they put your luggage on, but I read an article that said that somebody's like seen him standing by one of those, and Flora she's typically seen in the concert hall because she loved piano and music, and so Freeland actually built that whole room for her. And so that's them, that's their story, and I'm glad they're together. Obviously it sucks, like they're, I wouldn't want to be stuck here forever. 
I'd want to move on to whatever there is afterwards, but... Our next story starts with an explosion. Very exciting. That happened in 1911. So the hotel's only two years old at this point. And not only did it absolutely destroy room 217, but also the second floor above the main dining hall. And it almost killed a woman named Elizabeth Wilson. Despite the accident, she did recover and return to work. And I believe that she worked there before she died in her home in 90. Though she never had any like major serious connection with the hotel, she does haunt there. And it's actually really funny what she does. It's been reported by couples who are not married, who are sleeping in the same bed, that there's a force that pushes them apart. Um, I actually laughed so hard the first time that I read that. I think I was in class, so that was kind of awkward. But single men will also casually report that they'll go to sleep and then they'll wake up, as one would, with their luggage packed and outside of their room. So she apparently did not like people that much. I don't blame her. I'm an introvert and... This podcast is currently a lot of talking for me. Like, I have not only a monster, but also a Dunder Mifflin mug with water in it. And this is so much talking. This is like three and three-fourths days of talking right here. But all men don't just get the fun. No, no. If you're a woman, this is a warning to never stay on the fourth floor as people in the afterlife can get a little handy sometimes. So in room 428, there's a cowboy who will like creepily hang out in the corner in the closet and he'll kiss you on the forehead when you're going to sleep and that is the creepiest thing i've ever read in all of my days of looking up all of this stuff that's literally my biggest like absolutely not i don't usually get scared of these things but that's again that's just an absolutely not for me women also commonly report feeling a present stroke the hair and feeling hands run down their bodies and the feeling of someone kissing their cheek I always cringe every time I read my notes, like, I'm like, that's, that's kind of gross. And how are you going to stop them? It's, I hate it. So while we're on the fourth floor, there are two other men who reside there. So Lord Dunraven, the guy, the, the OG scammer, the, the original, your car's extended warranty, calls you up on your soup can phone. Hey, you're, uh, I'm calling about your land's extended warranty. So... Lord Dunraven is in room 401 despite never actually visiting the hotel and then in room 413 there's a man in an old-fashioned suit and he's just chilling like he's not even bothering anyone he's just like there for the ride and I don't want to just advise all my single ladies to stay off the fourth floor but also everyone in general because that's where the little kids are the ones that you see at the end of the hallway the creepy little twins I know a pair of twins It'd be so scary if they were just ominously like standing at the end of the hallway because they're like 612. I keep getting off track anyways the fourth floor is very haunted by children and a lot a lot more people than I'd say any other floor because that's where everybody stayed. There was a little boy and he was staying in room 407 with his mom. And this is this is like modern times. This isn't like he's dead, he's a ghost. Like this is an actual physical. And he kept kicking the sheets off of him off of like the bed because obviously you're a little kid you're gonna do that the sheets kept coming back over him and he woke up the next morning and he told his mom and she said that she wasn't doing that and that's like the worst story it was probably one of like the maids or the nannies or the the women that stayed up on the fourth floor back then who was like trying to tuck him in while we're still on the subject of children before indoor fridges were a thing there was just a big building of ice to keep stuff cold when I was writing this, I actually just kind of pictured like a bunch of iron deficient people gnawing on the ice cubes. I'm not even sure why. 
It was later modeled to show off the original Stanley steam cars because Freeland had the steam car business with his brother. I don't know if they were twins, I think they were. I actually read that his brother died because he like, either he crashed his car or he like rolled down into a ditch. But it, and it was super crazy. So because electricity was and cars and technology was developing a little bit more, they ended up not needing the ice chest anymore. So they made it into a display for the steam cars. Billy's a little kid who hangs out there, and I don't trust little kids named Billy. Billy is just one of those names where it's like, no, Billy, stay, Billy, stay away from me. I don't like it. I don't like. I don't like the energy behind the name Billy. It's just not, mm, not for me. But Billy is a little kid who hangs out there, and nobody really knows where he came from. But it, it has been speculated, like it's a rumor that he has autism, people, because he tends to interact more with people who have it or people who know a lot about it. And we only know that he's there because he'll show up in photographs. There's also another guy there. We don't know his name. Don't know where he came from. Tall man with a beard. So that's fun. He's there for fun. Let's move on to the concert hall now. And this is like our, our, like our second to last haunted place. So, so the concert hall. Let's start with Paul. Paul was actually a pretty recent death. Like in the time of the fact that we went from like 1800s to now, I'm not talking like 2020 death, but he died in 2005. And so a very thorough Google search in which I didn't have to click on any websites led me to believe that he was a maintenance man. Uh, I also read that he was a security guard, so he could have been like a security guard slash maintenance man, but both very important jobs. So he, he worked at the hotel, so good job, Paul. And he had a heart attack while shoveling snow. I've, I've never had to touch a piece of snow in my life. Uh, closest I've gotten is shaved ice. So, you know, thanks for that weather. <laughs> never gotten a white Christmas in my life. I honestly don't even understand the hype. I'm like, it's 30 degrees outside. That's good enough for me. There was this one day when we got a bunch of hail and it, it literally was covering everything. And so it looked like snow. But like my brother made the snowball and he threw it at me and it hurts. It was my older brother. I have two brothers. They both suck. Anyways, back to Paul. Paul is very notorious for interacting with guests. Paul loves them. Upon request, he'll like flash flashlights. And this is on tours because I believe that you can do like tours around and stuff. But he is a little stingy with curfew because I believe when he was alive, he used to enforce the curfew. And that was like 11 p.m. So if anybody's in the concert hall past 11, he'll tell you get out. He'll physically, you can hear him, he'll tell you get out. And going back to everyone's favorite subject, I know it's mine especially, helps me sleep at night, ghost children. So Lucy was a young homeless kid and one night she sought refuge in the basement of the concert hall. Well, as these sad, sad stories go, she did get caught and she had to leave. She was forced out. That night that she left, she couldn't find anywhere else to stay temperatures dropped below zero and she froze to death i think the reason that she's there is anger or sadness is holding her there and she can't cope with it but that that's just my opinion you're not here to hear you're not here to hear my life stories or my opinion but i'm gonna tell you them anyways i watched a ton of youtube videos on it there's this one where this person was like lucy are you cold and she closed the door i personally feel like you should never provoke them like that Spirit can fight you, you can't fight the spirit. The door did end up completely closed, which is a little scary. That's all for Lucy. She 
Oh, that's not all for Lucy. I keep skipping around in my notes, so that's why I keep forgetting things. I'm not a very good podcaster, guys. I've been wanting to do this for months, and I have to release this tomorrow, and I need to do so much editing, and I would- I would never be able to do YouTube, honestly. So Lucy is also very famous with candy. She loves candy. So, cause she's obvious, she's a little kid. So if you put candy in your palm, she'll knock it down or she'll make it like stand straight up. Super crazy. That's all for Lucy. So we're gonna go next to the last part of this Stanley Hotel. This is honestly personally my favorite part. This is a vortex. Vortexes are really fun because it's a way for, if you've seen Ghostbusters, like the one with Chris Hemsworth when he's like all stupid and it's really funny. It's like that guy, do you remember that part in the movie when like that evil weird looking dude, he, I don't know what he looks like, but in, in my mind, he looks like the guy with the red hair from Megamind. So. So in that scene where like all those hands were pushing against the like the mirrors or like it's been a while since I've seen that movie they were like pushing against something and they it was like they were on the inside they were basically I feel like they were trying to show what a vortex was a vortex is just two mirrors facing each other and it creates an easier way for spirits to pass into our, our world it's very fun I have. A vortex in my bathroom actually which is absolutely terrifying like places where spirits can be and bathrooms do not mix absolutely like they do but nobody wants them to you can call the portal vortex i've heard both honestly the main staircase has a bunch of mirrors and just reflective surfaces facing each other and it's really interesting and really cool because there's this picture of this transparent looking girl standing in front of them on like the staircase people have reported feeling dizzy and nauseated and i think it's because of all the energies and i keep saying and and it's probably really annoying you should definitely look at the pictures if you want to. Like, you can just Google Stanley Hotel Vortex Staircase and you'll probably find a whole bunch. That one picture's pretty popular. Unfortunately, not for me, but for you, this is where our Stanley portion ends. That was exhausting to talk about. I'm almost like 30 minutes in and this will probably not even be that long. But we're gonna move on with our last and final subject, which I am so happy about. It means I get to stop recording soon. And that is gonna be the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. So I'll come back to you guys when we get to that. Now on to the Waverly Hill Sanatorium. Yay. So this is our final place. And I was actually supposed to have four places. I think I mentioned that if you didn't. Yeah, I, th I think I mentioned that. I was supposed to have four places. Maybe I didn't. I'm gonna tell you guys anyway, so I was supposed to have four places, but due to the fact that it's currently Friday right now, and it's like 4.30pm, <laughs> I couldn't squeeze in another place even if I wanted to. So let's start talking about the history of the building. I know it's boring, but it's just a thing we have to do. I have to do. I do- you guys do nothing. I'm- uh, stop. I love you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Thank you for listening. I'll, I'll say that at the end. Our building history starts with a land purchase that happened in 1883 in which a portion of land was bought by this dude named Major Thomas H. Hayes and it, was, it wasn't even used to build a sanatorium. Like, the reason he bought the land back then was to build a schoolhouse for his daughters because they didn't have like a school back then for his daughters to go to. He hired this teacher named Lizzie Lee Harris. He let her name the schoolhouse because 
why not? And so she named it Waverly School because she loved Walter Scott's Waverly novels. So then the property name also became Waverly Hills. Do you also remember our fun little tuberculosis pandemic? Well, this is what happens. In 1908, the Board of Tuberculosis bought the land because cases were so bad. In the 1900s, 194 out of every 100,000 people would die from tuberculosis and it was spreading rapidly. It was one of the two highest leading causes of death back then. And oddly enough, the first thing they did with the land was they changed the name. It was still Waverly like it used to be, but it used to be spelled W-A-V-E-R-L-E-Y. They changed it just taking out the E to W-A-V-E-R-L-Y. Not sure why. I, I actually think that the second way of spelling is better. I don't know. It just looks better to the eyes. It's still pronounced the same, but once the family was moved off of the land, they built a small two-story frame hospital that could only hold about 50 people. Eventually, they did expand so they could have a children's ward, but that expansion only allowed them to hold another 50. And this is the catch. The children's ward wasn't even for the children. It was also for the parents of the children with tuberculosis. And this new expansion allowed to hold about 130 people. I know you're trying to do the math. 50 plus 50 equals 100. I'm in, I'm literally in geometry. It's fine. I'm sure it's accurate. <laughs> Somehow uh, 50 plus 50 does equal 130, just not in this reality. So the sanatorium finally opened on July 26 of 1910 at full capacity. Right on opening day, they already had full capacity. Eventually, the sanatorium became a whole self-sustaining community as well. They had their own radio tower, food supply, zip code, and the doctors and nurses never even left. They lived there, so no one ever had to leave because they, tuberculosis was such a controlled thing, and so, like, you couldn't leave. If you ever looked at pictures of Waverly Hills, you might notice it's built on, like, a hill as name, uh, surrounded by trees. Um, this is because back then, sanatoriums weren't, like, hospitals. They, they wanted to treat you, but they also wanted to keep you comfortable while you kind of slipped into death. So it wasn't like a full treatment center. While they were there to keep you comfortable, they were also there to test out like wicked scary procedures such as, and let me see if I can do this without butchering it because these phrases always scare me. I, somebody's going to listen to this and they're going to be like judging me quietly. So they tested out lobectomies pneumectomies, and something called thoracoplasties. And in this, in the thoracoplasty particular procedure, they would remove several ribs and collapse the chest wall. On average, 70 ribs would be removed during the procedure. And because, not really because of a lot of these procedures, they did end up racking up a death count. The hospital alone, hospital, the sanatorium alone of about 63,000 people. One of the less harmful non-medical treatments was called a sun treatment. Patients would lie out in the sun and I guess they thought that the UV rays could kill the sickness inside your body. Obviously, it was proven false, so I don't, I'm not sure when they stopped doing it or if they stopped doing it, but it's not done anymore. <laughs> but it's not just the souls of the patients who have passed away that like to roam the halls. There's a story about a very young nurse that still roams the sanatorium. So this nurse stayed in room 502, and as the story goes, Mary Jane Hillenberg found out she was pregnant at 29 and unmarried. It was theorized that a doctor did it but there's a lot of different ways that this story goes. The one that stuck out the most to me was that the doctor killed her and framed it to look like a suicide because when someone found her, they found her hung from an exposed pipe and dead. Later, another nurse moved into the same room, 502. Not long after she moved into that room, she jumped off of the top floor, resulting into yet another suicide. And as there are with most of these, there is another popular theory that ponders the question if someone or something pushed her off, but we'll never know. And because I know how much you 
Miss you, the person listening, loves to hear about little children. There have been sightings about a little girl named Mary, because we love that name, and a little boy whose name is Billy. You know how much I love that name, who both love to stay at the sanatorium. I've, I've seen things that'll say, like, Billy likes to play with the, like, blue balls. He fell, I think what I read was that he fell off of the roof while he was playing, because the children played up on the roof, because that's obviously safe. This was actually so much shorter than I thought it would be, talking, the Stanley Hotel was my longest one. This whole Google Doc is 12 pages long, and the Stanley took up like 8 of those 12 pages. I hate to say it, but it's come to an end. This is the creepiest part, the body shoot. This tunnel was used to carry bodies somewhere else so other patients wouldn't see them and not be alarmed. Picture this you and your friend just chilling waverly hill sanatorium hey have you seen a luke lately uh nurse like looks at you like hmm, luke i don't know who luke is we never had a luke i think you're crazy so they wouldn't even like tell the people they would just carry the bodies and they'd pile them up and then once they piled up enough they would take them off the hill for cremation or burying there's actually a movie called the death tunnel i learned that out like five minutes ago so i haven't watched it and can't review it i'm gonna give it a, like a three out of ten though as all things usually do the sanatorium eventually closed after the war in 1961 because there was no need for it anymore um woodhaven medical services reopened the building it did have to close in 1980 due to patient abuse allegations and then robert alberhaski I'm sure I butchered that. Bought the property because he wanted to build the tallest Jesus statue. I'm not even going to try to explain that. Uh, I'm just going to thumbs up and walk away. <laughs> Obviously, it didn't happen because, you know, still there, but. Eventually, Tina and Charlie Mattingly bought the property, and in 2001, they had the goal to make it into a bed and breakfast. Nowadays, I'm pretty sure they do, like, wicked long ghost tours, because I was looking at their website reviews, and it was like, can't wait for my eight-hour-long investigation, and I was like, that's wild. Like, I'd love to do that. Obviously not with Billy. Billy can leave, because <laughs> I don't want to mess with anybody named Billy, and I'm not bullying you if your name is Billy. It's just, it's a really weird name. Especially in 2021, who's naming their children Billy? But anyways, it's super cool. I'd love to go to it someday. I know that literally just today. Was it today or was it yesterday? I think, well, today's Friday as I'm speaking. I think Sam and Kobe just released a video about it, about Waverly Hills. Anyways, so that is literally all for this episode. And I'm actually so excited that I'm done with my first episode. I learned a lot. I've learned that I need to give myself at least a week and a half. And I can't just be like, well, uh, you know, I'm to make a podcast now because it takes time and it takes effort with you listening right now it's absolutely amazing i'd love it if you could hit that follow button maybe share it i do i do have an instagram it's supernaturally underscore curious 013 i do also have a patreon set up for supernaturally curious um all the money will go to helping to improve this podcast whether it's a better editing software program or microphone whatever i'm not really going to be using it for personal gain i'll be using it for this i'm super glad that you you could be here listening to me. It's super amazing. Again, hit that follow button. Go ahead and follow Supernaturally Curious. So anyways, this is Peyton Stewart signing off with Supernaturally Curious. Very first episode. Let's go. And I am so excited to see you guys for our next episode. It's very spontaneous. I don't know when I'm going to post it, whether it's going to be I'll do an episode every week or not. So that is why you need to go follow the Instagram again, Supernaturally underscore curious 013. I'm sorry I'm talking so fast. But thank you for watching, and I hope you have an amazing, spooky, and safe rest of your day. Bye. I'm not going to say that. Bye. <laughs> that was so gross. Bye, guys. Okay, bye.